This morning, I'd like to be very practical, down to earth. You know, different situations in our life produce different sets of temptations. You can be in one setting, and that's not going to be nearly the problem for one issue that the flesh might be tempted for, as it will be at another time when you're in a different setting. And many of you are now out of the order of an institutional situation, the accountability of that in the sense in the sense of having those right around you being able to observe. Obviously, most of you are at home, and so you do have that, which is a great help, but now you're young adults. And so you might have a tendency, and I've just been burdened about this at this stage because I want you to finish the year in victory. I just got burdened about the fact of being genuinely open and honest. There's nothing worse than deceitfulness. There's nothing worse than dishonesty. I remember growing up, my father would, of course, discipline me for whatever needed to be disciplined. But it changed in its character if it came to the matter of lying. Oh, my. I remember one time I saw fire in my dad's eyes, and I think it was genuine spirit-filled fire. <laughs> and he looked at me and said, one thing we will not have in our family and in our home, is a liar. Man, I tell you, the fear of God went through me. I'll never forget that. I don't think I ever got spanked for that again. Um, but uh, I, uh, I'm sure I wasn't perfectly honest since that time. But I mean, the point was, it really did make an impression upon me. And it is a major, major matter. Uh, you have, and this is not our text, and we'll get to this, but you have... In Ephesians 4, that very important verse, after talking about the new man and walking in God's power, wherefore, put away, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. You cannot have a relationship with other people if there is not trust and honesty. And you cannot have a relationship with God who is the God of truth if you are not truthful. The armor of God speaks there right at the beginning about truth. And I think it's speaking of the truth of the God's word, but I think it also has the idea of truthfulness. So it's at the very essence of who we are, who God is. And so it is something that we cannot play around the edges on. And being uh, without uh, people around, and uh, uh, being in a more of an isolated situation, there are a number of ways that it would be easy for you, either in the area of lying, uh, not complete honesty, half-truths, uh, hypocrisy, uh, in the area of even saying things via technological communication that are hurtful of others. Uh, all of this um, could easily come in your setting now and I don't want you to end the year with a bad conscience. I always feel sorry for graduates. I'm very thankful for them. But when they come back to me some years later and say, you know, whatever you need to do with my degree, do it. But I, I lied to you on that test. I said I had read the reading and I really didn't read it. Or I, I didn't do what I said I was going to do. And well, I'm thrilled they got that uh, taken care of. But it's sort of miserable in between. And uh, you need to have the joy and the confidence of a clean conscience 
And so I just felt burdened here to just help you here in these days end right. Well, let's go to Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. I tell you what, it's really marvelous when you look at God revealing himself to Moses prior to the giving of the Ten Commandments. God revealed himself even to the leadership of of Israel at the foot of Mount Sinai or up on it. It was an amazing time and, and these men were stirred. That's why the golden calf is so uh, hard to understand. How could they do that after God had revealed himself in such a mighty way? And then Moses goes up and has an encounter with God. Now let me say this just in a very quick background when it comes to the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments reveal the glory of God. I mean, these different aspects of of our need to worship Him and, and appropriately respond to Him, and then our relationship to other people, give us the essence of God's holiness, the essence of God's justice, the essence of God's love for one another. I mean, you see it here. Uh, Just every part of what makes God such a glorious God is seen in the commandments. And so when we, by the Spirit of God's enablement, and that's what's so wonderful about this New Testament age we live in, when we live out the Ten Commandments, it's not us earning salvation, we know that. It's not us even earning sanctification blessing. It is simply living out God. It's living out who He is, showing forth His attributes making him look good. That's all about glorifying God. So don't be afraid of the Ten Commandments or all the many, 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 many commandments and principles throughout the Word of God. It's simply an outflow of who God is and the privilege we have of functioning as God created us to function. And that's a wonderful, wonderful reality. Well, I'd be tempted to go through the Ten Commandments, but I won't do that. I will go right down to the Ninth Commandment, if you look there with me in verse 16. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Now, the Ninth Commandment technically is is about not injuring someone else by bearing a witness uh, that is not truthful about them, therefore injuring their testimony, potentially legally making them liable for something they're not liable for, and uh, really um, uh, over just putting a, a black mark on their name. But the whole point here is the fact that you are bearing false witness, and so that's why I started with verse 25 of uh, Ephesians 4, that we are to be honest with one another. But I want to see us to see the very core of this matter of honesty comes from the Ten Commandments. So let me just look at this for a, for a while. The whole matter of dishonesty, false witness, lying, is satanic in origin. Think about it. In the garden... Uh, We read in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said. Right now he's about to get into false witness. He is about to lie about God. 
Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said, and the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And here it is. The serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. He knew God. He understood the power of God. He lied. And he bore a false witness. And look what he says. He, he uh, really attacks the character of God. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. God's holding back what is best for you. So this whole matter of false witness and lying and here, really, hypocrisy, acting like himself, a righteous being. You can see all of that. It's all in the very character of the rebel Satan. In John 8, the Lord was very direct about that. He says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. Speaking to the Pharisees and the religious leaders. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, young people, this is not the purpose of this message, but right now you are living in a culture that is surrounded by lying. And what I mean by that is we have gone from a Judeo-Christian culture that at least had some basis of biblical principle and truth and a respect and fear for God now to a worship of man and a secular humanistic perspective on life, which really gets down to Satan's whole thrust way back in the garden. Ye shall be as gods. You will be your own person, knowing good and evil. You'll be able to, to know exactly how to live. You don't need God. And so humanism is completely a lie. Evolution is a horrendous lie against the very character and creation of God. Uh, it puts the whole world into a non-theistic perspective and takes God totally out of the equation. The fa fact that man and society uh, can be perfected and we can come into some kind of utopia goes directly against the truth of God's word. The fact that there are no morals is a direct attack upon the truth about morality in the Word of God. And on you could go all the way to uh, socialism and so forth. And that is becoming more and more predominant. And so don't be confused. Why? You know, how could this happen? How could such a good country fall into this? I'm telling you, without God's people being the bearers of truth with God's power... Satan is going to do what he did back in the garden. Every tenet of humanism, every tenet of any other kind of philosophy that's non-theistic is very similar to what you find all the way back in the garden, all the way through ancient history up until now. So it, this matter of honesty, false witness, uh, is just at the very core of the spiritual battle. And that's why, young people, we can't get involved in it. 
there is something about your character that will change and will be in a very dangerous position if you soft pedal any aspect of untruthfulness in your life. If you are allowing that to happen, that will hurt your character. It will cause you to uh, have a life that does not have the ability to bear powerfully the truth. Remember, in the tribulation, once the rapture occurs, the Holy Spirit's restraining force is gone. He will still convict, thankfully, through the witness of those that are saved during that time. God's going to do a great work, and I'm so thankful during the tribulation. But it will be a time in which the world at large, you think it's bad now? Whoa. Uh, they are going to believe a lie. Second uh, Thessalonians 2.11 and speaking of what will happen with the Antichrist, it says, And for this God, cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. They're, they're not going to have the ability like we have now uh, to be able to overcome that. And that's going to be a tragic thing. So they are going to believe a lie. So it's satanic in origin. And because of that, our sinful nature is just naturally prone to lack of truth, lack of honesty, lack of transparency. Romans 3.12, and uh, detailing out the sinfulness of man says, they, verse 12, they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher, and their tongues they have used, with their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. So we're just like our father, the devil, from the standpoint of our human nature. And then uh, Jeremiah 17, 9, which we're very familiar with, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Not only do we lie to others, we lie to ourselves. That's the biggest problem that we face. Now, often in parenting classes and messages, I'll talk about the fact that you don't have to teach a baby how to lie. <laughs> they will naturally do it from the beginning. And uh, this whole humanistic uh, demand feeding and all of that stuff says that the child knows exactly what they need and they see them as evolved animals with instincts and so they're naturally going to know what's best for them. Yeah. Yeah, they, they know what's, what they want is best for them, not what is best for them. And they'll learn to cry to get what they want even if they don't need what they uh, want. And so you begin to see the deceit in the little baby. I know some of you just don't like me talking about babies being deceitful, but anybody, well, all of you in the nursery know that to be true. So uh, I probably don't have to try to uh, uh, say much about it. And it's really interesting, believe it or not, you know, they have studies about everything, but there, is a, there are studies about the, the, the enormous amount of deceitfulness that babies have. And it's a disillusioning study. But anyway, a survey some years back said that the average American lies 16 times a day. Now, if that's what they admitted to, imagine how much they lie, you know. And uh, boy, that's discouraging. Uh, a woman said to her friend, I'm going to discharge my maid. She said, I'm so upset with her. Why, well, asked her friend. I caught her stealing my Hampton Inn bath towels. <laughs> and that's just uh, the deceitfulness that we have. It's just part of our nature. Isaiah 59, 14 said, And judgment is turned away backward, 
and justice standeth afar off. Truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. So it's satanic in origin. It's part of our nature. And it's the opposite of who God is. He, his nature is truth. Psalm 31.5, Into thy hand I commit my spirit. Wonderful prophecy here. Thou hast redeemed me, O thou, O Lord God of truth. Many of us know Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? So if we're going to be truly manifesting the glory of God, if we're truly going to be godly, we are going to be truthful. That's all the way around it. Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But they that deal truly, that are honest, are His delight. I mean, if you want to delight the Lord, if you want a life that's free, if you want a life that's going to have power and blessing and really glorify the Lord, truth has to be a reigning principle in your life. You see, the reason God hates lying, and of course, obviously, false witness, is that it, it uh, hurts people. And lying robs people of the truth that they need to make right decisions. So you can only operate on what you know. And when you lie, people are going to be thinking differently about other people. They're going to be thinking differently about a situation. They're not going to be able to do what they ought to do. And so our entire set of relationships, business uh, exchanges, um, just functioning is based upon knowing truth. And when we lie, we rob people of the truth they need to be able to function as they ought to function. Leviticus 19.11, uh, ye shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another. Then in the New Testament, as I've already quoted to you, Ephesians 4.25, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. In other words, as the body of Christ in our oneness and in your family, you can't have oneness in your families if you're a liar. You cannot have oneness among believers in the body of Christ if there is uh, untruth, if there is hypocrisy, if, especially if there is false witness. Uh, it just is uh, uh, it just very key to being able to function in a way that God is able to work. And I've already alluded to this, but God hates lying. These six things, Proverbs 16 says, doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue. God hates it. It's opposite of who he is. Now, I'm going to say something to people. Even the littlest little lie, lie, maybe not being totally honest with what you did on something, not really communicating right with the school here or communicating right with your parents, uh, not really being, not handling some of your work appropriately and saying you did your work and actually you s took it from somewhere else and you weren't honest about it, um, saying that you did things on your spiritual uh, disciplines report when you really didn't do them or whatever it is, uh, I want you to realize God hates that because you're acting like Satan. You are the opposite of who God is. Truth is everything. We're going to heaven because of truth. We have blessing in our lives because of truth. 
You are to be a bearer of truth. And how can you be a bearer of truth if you are an untruthful person? You see, the essence of not being honest is self-centeredness to the core. And we all are tempted to do it. And we all have to deal very radically with it when we see it in our lives because God hates it. So let me finish out here in this message now about the specific practical areas of untruthfulness that I think are very important. Well, there's the good old one of exaggeration. They're really good. You know, it's amazing how stories get bigger and bigger. And they get uh, elaborated on. I'm glad I'm an evangelist because I I hate it when they say evangelistically speaking. Well, what does that say? Well, they're saying evangelists are liars and their stories. Now, I tell you, I won't mention who, but there are some stories that I've heard. I think, how could that be true? I mean, that is amazing. Um, But whatever. Uh, but it's easy for us. Our fish gets bigger and bigger and bigger that we caught, you know, and, and there are more and more points on that antler uh, than uh, um, that big rack uh, on that deer or elk, uh, and on and on we can go, and uh, it's not truthful. You see, it's all about image making. You know where the biggest, biggest area of exaggeration now happens? Social media. Just the right picture, just the right description. Don't say everything. What you do is you make something seem bigger and nicer than it was. There is a huge amount of depression that comes out of Facebook type um, interchange because people look at all this being posted by somebody else and they think, man, their life is tremendous. They have nothing but one exciting time after another. My life is a bore, you know, uh, and I, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not getting to do all that they're doing. Well, if you really knew what their life was like, it's just as boring as your life. But they have made themselves look really good by the way they have constructed things. That's why, honestly, be very careful about social networking because it is. And by the way, it gets into false witness. It gets into all kinds of stuff. It is such a forum for this part of our nature. Uh, it, it, trying to create an image and in creating an image, even being willing to hurt other people, it just brings out the raw um, fleshly nature. So be very, very careful. Satan will love to, to do that. But exaggeration uh, really is a problem. Dwight L. Moody, the great evangelist, was dealing with a man, and the man said, I have a bad habit of exaggerating. People are talking, and I feel bad about it. Well, Moody said, next time, call the person back and confess the lying. The man said, I would not want to call it lying. Moody said, as long as you will not call it lying, there's no hope for you. (laughs) And that's really true. I remember sometime, oh, some years ago, I answered something, and I added a little bit to what I answered. And it was a couple of months later, and that person I have to happen to see, and the Holy Spirit said, go to that person and tell them you lied. I'm telling you, every bit of pride and self-whatever in me screamed. But then, you know, I endeavored to, whenever the Holy Spirit speaks, to listen. I went and... Uh, and it was very embarrassing, 
and the person just looked like, you know, what you said wasn't that big a deal. But I tell you, for me, it was a clearing of my soul. I tell you, exaggeration is lying. Then uh, hypocrisy, that's a big one. And this is one of the things I'm concerned about for you. Um, knowing there's issues in your life, but to the administration here and to people and to your uh, fellow students and to your parents and other people, to your church, you're really trying to act like things are okay when they are not. And um, that's simply what hypocrisy is. It's lying about who you really are. You know, one of the great aspects of, uh, of genuine blessing in the Christian life is be humble, be honest. God giveth more grace to the humble. And the more honest and open you are, that's why at, in our RU talk, small, uh, second talk meetings where they uh, are open and honest, and in our adult Bible studies and teen Bible studies, and in discipleships when people really get down, in our conquer groups where there sometimes has to be brutal honesty there, that's a great blessing because hypocrisy goes out the window and now we get serious about really being what we ought to be with the Lord. Once a pastor, a man named Warren Candler was preaching to a large audience and he used as his text the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Of course, that's quite the picture of hypocrisy as they came and saw Barnabas give everything and other people giving everything. And so they wanted to give the impression that they had sold their land and were giving everything, but they held back part for them. And they could have done that if they had just been honest, but they were being hypocritical. And so he uses his text, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, who told a lie to God and were struck dead. The old pastor roared, God doesn't strike people dead for lying like he used to. If he did, where would I be? Well, uh, people snickered a bit. Then he roared back, I'll tell you where I would be. I'd be right here preaching to an empty house. <laughs> <laughs> and he made his point quite well. And unfortunately, a lot of times, especially with modern day uh, evangelical Christianity, there is a lot of hypocrisy in our culture. Hopefully God's dealing with us about that. Uh, but we need to be just honest, open, and real. Uh, is the blessing of God in your lives, young people? Are your parents encouraged by that spirit? Is there power there? Uh, are you open and honest with them when your spirit isn't right? Are you able to get those things right quickly? Or can they, do they sense, you know, here they act like they're doing so well, but there's something empty. And I'm burdened about that. You see, if we're not honest and we're not uh, transparent, well, uh, it's going to really hurt the glory of God. Then there's flattery. You want to be liked. And, um, and it's, uh, I, you know, I have been around people that were just excellent flatterers. And, you know, we have a tendency to fall for that kind of thing. We've got to be so careful not to be manipulated by flattery. But we certainly don't need to be a flatterer. When you encourage someone, why are you? Are you really excited for them? Do you really want them to succeed? Or are you trying to get them to like you? You know, Carnegie and all those other books about how to, be, how to influence people, um, though they're not straight out about flattery, certainly positive about people. It can be good if it's right, for the right motive. But if it's for manipulation, it's a terrible thing. And uh, don't be a flatterer. 
That's a very dangerous thing. And then making insincere promises and statements that you do not intend to follow up. Don't say, this is going to kill you as a parent. Anything you promise your children, I, I guarantee you, they're going to remember that. And you need to be a, such a truthful parent that when you speak, your children know my parents are going to follow through and they're going to do what they said they're going to do. You know, simplest thing, and you've heard preaching about this, but when you say, I'll pray for you, and I see that just said so tritely, I trust that you really mean that. It will extend your prayer list. But, in fact, what I try to do is if I say I'm going to pray for somebody, then I want to come back and find out what's going on and let them know I am praying for them. Make yourself accountable. Don't be light about those things. That's disingenuous. It's not good for your character. It's not good for your soul. And so we need to be very careful that uh, with your siblings, are you making promises? Yeah, we're going to go do this or I'll do this with you. Of course, there's not a lot of options right now. Uh, but um, uh, do you really mean it? A Washington merchant uh, has, uh, did Lincoln one better with this sign in his shop window. You can fool some of the people some of the time. And generally speaking, that's enough to allow for profit. <laughs> and uh, that's unfortunately the way it works. Then to get to the very essence of the ninth commandment, lying about others, false witness. That's the core of that. And um, I'm not as, this is a big deal, but my burden was truthfulness. My burden was not being trapped with little lies and, and not being honest with authorities right now. I want you to end the school year strongly. But it's also a terrible thing to say things about others and it's not right. As Spurgeon so well said, a lie travels around the world while truth is still putting on its boots. And today with technology, whew, it's, um, truth hasn't even picked up their boots uh, at that point. It's just amazing. Uh, Satan lied about God's character and uh, in James chapter 3, that's a powerful chapter. It's speaking of the tongue as an arsonist, an incendiary, a lethal weapon. Uh, Proverbs 18:21: death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Now, I'm just going to say this quickly. False witness is murder of character, steals a good name, dishonors God, deprives people of right information, unable to make the right evaluation. So, that's something that, it's like murder. And that just cannot be in our lives. And so if you want to be used of God, you need to dedicate your tongue to the Lord. Dedicate it daily. Keep your heart right with God. The Spirit of God will immediately convict you if you say things that are not right. Assume responsibility for every word that you speak. Discover from others what offensive words you use. Commit yourselves to the purpose of giving a good report of others. Remember, you never talk to someone about someone else unless you are part of the problem or part of the solution. Otherwise, you don't do it. And so uh, you need to realize gossip is sharing information with a person who is neither part of the problem or part of the solution. The difference between news that's legitimate and gossip is whether you raise your voice or lower it. <laughs> it's amazing with gossip. There's immediately a conscience issue. 
And so how do you solve this as well as any other area of lying? Confess it for the sin that it is. So young people, very simple lesson. But I'll guarantee you, in this size of a student body, there are some of you who have been on the edges and on the fringes of dishonesty. That uh, you have, an, or maybe hypocrisy. You aren't right with God and you're acting like everything's okay and you're not getting help. Some of you have said things negatively about other people, made promises you shouldn't make, you've exaggerated, uh, you've not been honest with authorities. I plead with you, even today, if God brought things to your conscience, get it right today. And when we finish out a uh, week from Friday, I want you to go into the summer rejoicing that you really do have the glory of God on your life and you're free and you're going to be able to be used of Him throughout the summer. Let's bow for prayer. As we bow before the Lord, I do want to give you a chance right now. I want to encourage you, if God dealt with you about some aspect of dishonesty, would you write it down right now? Write it down somewhere. Most of you are probably near your uh, computer, iPad, and um, you've got your note-taking ability there. Write down that specifically what God showed you. And would you tell the Lord right now, you're going to get that right. That you're going to call it sin, even if it seems small. And that you want to be free. By the time you pillow your head tonight, you want to be free and right with God. Would you do that right now? Don't leave this time until you have really done business with God. Now, Lord, bless these young people, how precious they are. And I pray that this very... Uh, just, it's an intrinsic part of who our flesh is. And Lord, would you give them victory? May they not rationalize. Would they just be honest with you? And would there be some real getting right now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.